official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR hey, Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes! Hello! Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are coming at you live. Yes, live! If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, January 19th, 2021 at dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this thing. Email me, me, at adamatadamsank.com. If you're listening live, call in and talk to us. We haven't had a caller in a while. You can call us at 804-825-5277. That's 804-TALK-ASS. You can call us anytime, even when we're not on the air, and just leave us a voicemail. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your official ass merch, T-shirts, tank tops, even a monogrammed vial of the coronavirus vaccine. The link to all of that is adamsank.com. We have an incredible guest today. Uh, we've never had him on the show. I have been a fan for decades. His name is Kenny Melman. Uh, he's a fabulous virtuoso musician. You might know him better as Herb from the legendary cabaret duo Kiki and Herb. We'll be talking to him a little, uh, a little later in the show. But first, it is my duty, it is my honor uh, to introduce the bagel stuffing uh, pig himself, Ryan Frostig. Hello, Adam. Hello, JB. Hello. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to work the Instagram camera at the same all. time. I hate You're doing these Instagram lives, but our, our our viewers demand it. What if we got like um like a stand or something, and we need did something. like a full like studio moment where you get to see the whole production happening. Something like that needs to happen. We keep saying that, and then we don't do it. I mean, that is planet. The, don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. Speaking of which, here is uh, everyone's favorite producer, JB Bursey. Oh my god, yo! She's in stripes. Is the board is the board crazy loud or is it just my headphones? No, it, okay, so what on the phone call with Romain? Apparently, what happened? I think this is my fault a little bit. Over We're having technical years, difficulties. As I, I said. was supposed to turn off the board to make to make sure everything rests, and then when we came back, everything zeroed out. I don't think no one had a chance to adjust it. Okay, so whatever. Also, yeah. it's important to note that yesterday was JB's birthday. Oh yeah, oh, happy birthday, JB! I didn't know that. <laughs> happy birthday, happy to you. birthday, happy birthday, JB! How happy old birthday. How old are you now? I was twenty eight. Well, that's fabulous. <laughs> Wasn't that the age? How old was Jesus when he died? Oh, 30, 33. You know what? Like the that. good die young. I don't know. I'm a Jew. Mm. Anyway, listen, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, okay, I just want to take a moment. Let's take a moment. This, uh, as we've said so many times this past year, the past 12 months, this last week was a week like none other mm-hmm. in my lifetime, in your lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, we've all been watching the 24-hour news channels far too much. Um, I literally had to turn it off yesterday and just put on music. Yeah. And we are not talking about it today. We are not talking about him. We are mm-hmm. not talking about it. We are not talking about anything having to do with that, except for one story that's a little bit adjacent, but it's yes. really about the gays. This is going to be about the gays, like it's it always gays, is. It's about the gays, honey. And fuck everything it's about else. us. But I do just want to, like 
cleanse the palate from yeah. everything we've just witnessed over the past week. So I just am asking the listeners and the Instagram people, all six of them, and, uh, and the two of you to just breathe in. Breathe out. And just let it all go for an hour, just for an hour. And we're going to have some fun and, uh, and think about other things. Um, what else? Let's talk about New Year's Eve yeah. briefly. Yeah. What, what did you do for New Year's, Ryan? Um, so last year I did too much. And this year I, we, we just hung out at home. We actually um, watched uh, Kylie Minogue's Infinite Disco. Oh, we did too. You, did you really? Yeah, because my friend Eric is a huge Kylie fan. Okay, so, so I am a new – I'm a newer Kylie fan. Like I've always been aware of her. Mm-hmm. But she just put out this album, Disco – um, which came out three days after the election. And I remember thinking, that can either be like a, a, a celebratory album to listen to or like, oh, this is going to be... It is so much fun. It is so amazing. And she is incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was me in my apartment with uh, two of my coronavirus pod friends that mm-hmm. I've hung out with the whole time. And it was literally just the three of us. Oh, and Scott for a little while. But Scott mm-hmm. wasn't feeling that well. So he mm-hmm. was kind of coming and going. And we were just dancing around the apartment. And they they had paid for this Kylie concert. You know, it was only on for like 45 minutes. Yeah, it was an, it was an hour. And it was like $20 I know. a ticket. It was worth it. I like her. I'm not really – I don't really get her. JB, did you uh, do anything <laughs> New Year's Eve other than um, – uh... No, I worked – okay, so I was here with this podcast recording of some Pride podcast people, and they bought food, and they had champagne. So oh, that's mm-hmm. actually more fun than either of us Yeah, had. so I was just partying here in the studio with them. Good for you. And then I got home and continued my party. <laughs> what did that entail? More drinking and music. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what else are you going to do this New Year's Eve than get as fucked up as possible? Yeah. I was, uh, I was feeling no pain by the time the, uh, the balls dropped, mm. if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do recommended viewing real quick. Uh, I'm going to start. My favorite book of all time is Stephen King's The Stand. It was adapted into a miniseries back in the 90s with Molly Ringwald and Rob Lowe, and it was cute. But it's now been adapted into a better miniseries on CBS All Access with Whoopi Goldberg and James Marsden and Greg Kinnear and Amber Heard, who's in the news for all the wrong reasons mm-hmm. this week. It's fantastic, uh, especially if you know the book as well as I do. But um, but if it's worth getting a subscription to CBS All Access for a few weeks. Honey Davenport says, you are so handsome. Thank you, honey. Hey, honey. I love you. You're so handsome, too. Uh, okay, recommended viewing. I don't have a recommended viewing. Um, I've been watching a lot of like reruns of stuff I've already seen, but I do want to say that um, I finished a book for the first time Shock. in years. Congratulations! And that was *The Velvet Rage*. Yes, by Alan Downs. I think that's correct. Um, which Adam had recommended to me years ago. Um, and if you have not read this book, it is all about um, shame that you know we as gay people feel and that we carry long after we come out. And uh, it was very interesting. And it was a proud moment for me to finish a book. I'm so glad you did. I have long said that it's the most important book a gay man can read. Yeah. It changed my life. It, yeah. it was like the book that explained to me everything about myself, why I am the way I am, why I, why taking criticism is so hard for me, why I feel this need to prove myself mm-hmm. in every arena, why I have to be the best, why I have to please everybody. It's it's all of that. Yeah. So The Velvet Rage by Alan Downs. And just to be clear, I have I – have, started many books but i am uh add and it is hard for me to uh to finish <laughs> understood ryan um, we know you're special i am very special but this is a great book and i and i'm Good happy to you. finish it and it's not a long book either. no no I mean, normal yeah. people can read it in, in a few days okay 
Um, JB recommended viewing. Um, okay, so this year started. I, I don't have like a TV series for you guys, but I do have a stand up. Her name is Sam J. Uh, you can find the stand up on Netflix. It's Sam J. Yep, Sam J. It's called Three in the Morning. It's real funny. It's real. Like if you just everyone wind down and just rewind and relax and wind down and rewind and relax. This is this is a Netflix thing you should watch. All right. Thank you very much. No All right, so we have a book recommendation from Ryan, a stand-up special from JB, and a Stephen King miniseries for me. So you you have an a eclectic of mix of yes, a potpourri, yeah. a poo-poo platter, if you will. Um, okay, so that reminds me. We're going to spend most of the first half of this show discussing one story that has many different parts to it. Yes, and I am calling that story Mexico Madness. Mm. Because as many of you probably know, there were a number of large circuit party events that took place in and around Puerto Vallarta uh, over the week of New Year's Eve. And uh, Puerto Vallarta, like most other places in the world right now, is seeing a huge surge in COVID with ICUs full, with no room left for patients in any of the hospitals. It's no different there than it is in New York, Miami, Los Angeles, San Diego, wherever right. you live, Chicago, right. it, it, we're in a massive surge of, uh, of, of the pandemic right now. Nevertheless, this legendary party promoter who people sometimes confuse me with, Jeffrey Sanker, mm-hmm. not related to me. I, I can't tell you how many times people call me Adam Sanker. My last name is Sank. We don't know her. Jeffrey Sanker went ahead with plans to throw a white party. Uh, he's also the one behind the real white party, the, the legendary white party, which is in uh, Palm Springs. Right. But he threw a white party and adjacent events the whole week of New Year's. And uh, I really should get my copy because there's a lot of information here. So, you know, it, many people thought this was – first of all, it should have never happened in the first place. should have never even been planned in the first place. Um, and many people just assumed it was going to be canceled. He actually sent a message to people who had bought tickets, which, by the way, cost $150 just for the party, uh, saying that he was basically moving the party to a new location. And in that same message to attendees, he told them, don't take pictures of any kind. So he, wa- he was trying to be sneaky as fuck, basically, and act like he had canceled the events when, in fact, he had simply moved them to a different um, uh, province or, or region in Mexico. Um, as I said earlier, hospitals in Puerto Vallarta are at 100% capacity with COVID patients. In Jalisco, the positivity rate, that is the risk of acquiring the virus, is reaching 65%. Earlier... In that same week, authorities in Rio and Brazil had shut down another massive gay circuit party. But these Jeffrey Sanker parties happened. And even before I read about any of this, I have a friend who happens to be living in Puerto Vallarta right now. And he sent me, like the two couple days before New Year's Eve, he sent me video that he shot of thousands of shirtless gay guys dancing together on a dance floor. Shirtless and maskless, by the way. And I was like, that's not from... That's an old video, right? He's like, no, no, I just shot that. He goes, I shot that from my balcony. And I was like, how is this happening? Yeah. Okay. So the party happens. The parties happen. And one of the parties uh, takes place on a party boat. I call this part of the story the sinking of the Gaytanic. <laughs> so 
The week of events was slated to start on New Year's Eve with a party cruise on the PV Delice, which is a boast off the coast of Puerto Vallarta. The event promised DJs, open bars, go-go dancers, and snorkeling from the beach on a withheld location before boarding the boat. It was men only and clothing optional. Despite public backlash, the event still went on as planned. Um, but by 5 p.m. local time, the boat had capsized. By the way, there were about 60 guys on the boat. I had heard 82. The boat had capsized and SOS signals were being dispersed by the crew. Ten boats in the area and authorities had to rush to the scene of the sinking disaster to save dozens of men who were already at heightened risk of having the coronavirus, thus putting further people at risk to prevent them from drowning. All while hospitals in the region, again, are at capacity. Emilio Blanco, who had traveled from Chicago, said of the incident, it was like the Titanic. It went all down slowly. We were about to sail back to Puerto Vallarta, but the catamaran barely moved. I think the crew just didn't know how to maneuver the catamaran very well. The sea was not very rough, nor was it too windy, he noted. He told out and about Puerto Vallarta, it was quite a scary situation. (laughs) While the exact cause of the sinking did not immediately become clear, Video from the aftermath of its capsizing went viral online. Vox media editor Ryan Carlos added a Titanic theme song to the video of passengers being rescued from the water. Um, Fortunately and miraculously, everyone was recovered and no one was hurt or killed or suffered serious injuries. Stupid, you'll all get COVID. Thank you, Ryan. I've been, I've been, yeah. That was wonderful. Thank you. Where's the applause? All right. So while uh, all this is going on, yes, there's an Instagram account that's been active for some time, at least since July, yeah. called Gaze Over COVID. Mm-hmm. You'll remember back in July, there were these massive parties on Fire Island yep. uh, around 4th of July week. And... They were mostly outdoors. Some were indoors. And it were, you know, same thing. Hundreds of maskless, shirtless gays partying together. Mostly white, by the way. And same as the ones who went to Mexico. We're talking about mostly white, well-off, young gay men. Yeah. Privileged people. Privileged people. So that's when this Instagram account first started. And it had a little bit of notoriety then. But it has blown up over uh, the past couple of weeks because they've really been doing their best to expose these Mexico party goers. And by the way, they're not exposing them by like spying on them. It's not like gays over COVID was in Mexico with a secret camera. These queens are posting their own photos. Yeah, they're exposing themselves. their own videos on Instagram. And gays over COVID is just blasting them out and saying, okay, here's, you know, John Smith, who's a doctor from Chicago. That's not a real person, by the way. Hmm. One of the things they're doing is they're they're really going after any of these gays who work in healthcare. Right. Because they should know better more than anyone else. And also, they should not be allowed back into their facilities of work until they've quarantined for two weeks. Yeah, and you've been seeing the memes of, like, those people getting the vaccine one day and then, like... That's right. And then they're partying. Yeah. Which, by the way, at least they have the vaccine. Most of these people do not have the vaccine. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I need to credit someone on Twitter named Zach Ford. You can follow him at Zach Ford. A lot of the the reporting I'm about to tell you is from him. Um, So Gays Over COVID now has over 120,000 followers. 
And they went into overdrive after the Mexico madness. And whoever runs the account, as I said, has been working very hard to expose every person who attended the festivities. So now there's a backlash against the backlash with the Puerto Vallarta party goers, as well as their allies, insisting that this Instagram account be shut down because it's shaming people and shaming is harmful. It doesn't change behavior, mm. and it's actually cyberbullying. Oh, I'm so sad for them. Their <laughs> life is so hard. <laughs> In one stunningly ironic development, some of the partygoers are now offering a $500 reward to identify who is behind gays over COVID, accusing them of sowing division. I'm sorry, wait, but $500? $500. $500. $500. I, I think they had a GoFundMe to try to raise as much money as possible for this, and they only could get that $500. That is so sad. Okay, so no, here, here's, here's why I'm comfortable, because these are, again, these are the privileged white people who went to the party, who had money for a plane ticket and stuff like that. You, oh, you go crowdsource. Bitch, if you really want this done, go go be a go hire private eye and do the rich white people shit that we know that you do it yep. behind closed doors. Like the fuck. Thank you. Exactly. This is fuckery. Shit. This is fuckery. So Zach Ford, who again is a very bright guy, said perhaps this little gay civil war is an opportunity to say that we need to expect more from each other. He says, I support gays over COVID's efforts, not because I care whether people go to circuit parties but because I care whether their decisions endanger others, which they do. And he says, yeah, I'm kind of pissed off by these circuit parties too. I've made the tough decisions and sacrifices to be safe all year. And I have to remind myself that it was worth it even when others didn't do the same. Uh, I should mention you guys that gaze over COVID did get shut down in the midst of all this uh, hoo-ha, wow. but only momentarily. And then there was a backup account that appeared and then the original is back. Oh, good. So I encourage you to follow them. They're also very funny. A yeah. lot of them are like parodies and they have like um, all these little Ken dolls floating in the water, capsizing. You know yeah. what? Derek or Main Studios is going to follow them. So I could, oh, good. So, yes. I could watch so those Ken doll uh, <laughs> pictures? Yes. Um, that's actually from another account called the LA, LA Basics. Yes. Um, and they, they've been they've been uh, uh, they've been uh, spoofing uh, privileged LA gays for for years. Perfect. Yeah. LA Basics. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Of course. Now we come to the part of the story that I call the muscle Mary nurse who got COVID, almost died, recovered, and then partied in Puerto Vallarta. Oh my God. Now I remember this mm -hmm. back in May when the vi when the first surge hit. This San Francisco nurse, whose name is Mike Schultz, uh, he started posting photos of himself before and after he had, he had uh, contracted the virus. He was this big, roided-out, muscle-merry, bald, you know, yeah. sexy if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. I am. Oh uh, and then after photos where he was, like, sickeningly thin. He had lost all of his, his body mass and just looked really, really bad. He... Uh, is a 43-year-old registered nurse, as I said. He started a GoFundMe to raise money for himself to recoup, I guess, medical costs of having the virus, which I don't know why insurance didn't pay for that. He's a nurse. He's got good benefits. But whatevs. Yeah. He raised $20,000 for himself. And can I also just say... It looked to me, in retrospect now, that he just stopped taking his steroids for a couple months. And that's right. why that's where all the bulk went. That's I don't know that happened. he actually, because I don't know of anyone wasting due to COVID. Yeah. But be that as it may, 
He says he lost 50 pounds. He was so weak he could barely stand to take his mirror selfie. He was featured in a lot of media. BuzzFeed, CNN, uh, S. Fist. I don't know what that is. Maybe some fisting site. Um, about the pneumonia that he suffered brought on by the coronavirus. Uh, he, okay. Schultz was one of at least 38 men believed to have, have contracted COVID at the winter party back in February. Right. Now, remember... We didn't, it wasn't a thing yet. We knew it was there. We knew it was out there, but it hadn't really hit the United States. And the last big circuit party before the pandemic hit big time was this winter party in Florida. And he was one of those gays who got it. And at the time I defended them because I said, look, they, they went to an event that was legal that no one told them not to go to the health authorities. It was a charity. Like that I understood, but this motherfucker Went to Puerto Vallarta. Oh, my God. And he didn't just go to Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. He also posted this. This is from his Insta account. And what it says is, in gi- it's a story. In giant letters, it says, Puerto Vallarta, Jalisco. Yes, we are here. They want us here. Complain about Florida, Georgia, and Texas. Complain about the straight parties every weekend in downtown L.A., the epicenter of COVID. Bye. It also said, you fucking bitter queens, always tearing down other gays. Get out of your little gay bubble. And finally, it said, at this point, survival of the fittest. It's life. Sorry. Holy shit. Holy shit. How? I have no words. Now, we can't confirm whether Schultz actually att- ended up attending the party. He's claiming in some media he, he didn't actually go. Sure, Mary. But Instinct Magazine noted that he was apparently back at a circuit event somewhere just a month after leaving the hospital in May. Okay. I have questions. I have things. I am upset. Okay. Here's why I'm upset. He, he got coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. Then, when getting coronavirus, he asked people to donate money and help out. $20,000. Like, $20,000. Like, you remember, we, we asked for a fundraiser to help me out to keep my job. Like, yes. I'm a working bitch. He's just what, sucking dick for what money? Like, I feel like that's what the real money... That's what real frustrates me. Shade. Like, you're using proper sources, which should be used for good things. How about getting, feeding hungry people? Feeding my pay... Feed my bank account. That's my CJB. <laughs> it's like... You gave $20,000 to talk hot shit and then go to a circuit party again to get back. What kind of ass-backwards bullshit is... Yo. <laughs> You're absolutely right. JP's going to walk You're absolutely out. right. Now we come to the part of the story mm-hmm. involving RuPaul's Drag Race. I told you there were many, many parts to this story. Uh, and so for this part, we go to our RuPaul's Drag Race correspondent, Ryan Frosting. So- Shantae, you stay. Yes, thank you. So, um... There were a few Rue girls spotted in Puerto Vallarta. Um, those uh, Rue girls were Shangela, um, Miss Vanjie, and Silky Nutmeg Ganache. Name them, Joan. Name them. Now, Shangela posted a uh, picture at um, Ma- uh, Montemar, the beach resort that we stayed next to. Do you remember that, Adam? Mm-mm. It's that it's that gay resort there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So she, next door to our little B and B with the great shower. So she just posted a picture that she was in Puerto Vallarta at the time that all of this was going on. It's interesting to note that a month ago she released her own hand sanitizer line, <laughs> and now she's in Puerto Vallarta 
in the middle of a pandemic. Cool. Then there were videos and pictures of Miss Vanjie and Silky at a party on the dance floor, maskless. And all, of course, you know, their, their, their Rue Girl sisters were calling them out on Twitter and, and people were saying, what are you thinking? What are you doing? It's also important to note that all three of them are based in Los Angeles. So they, they, went, they came from one of the, the hottest spots in the country, went to Puerto Vallarta, and now we're going to go back to a place where ICU beds are you know, at full capacity. So it's, it's, really, it's really disappointing. But the thing that, and we, Adam and I talked about this off air, the thing about a lot of these, these uh, circuit gays, while some of them may have 10,000 followers on Instagram, they're, they're not famous. Right. And like that muscle Mary nurse isn't a famous person. Right. Now, Miss Vanjie, Silky, Shangela, um, some would argue that they are gay miss. Oh, no. I think they're famous. I, I think that they're more famous than a lot they're of the other queens. They're certainly famous in the places where they're going. Right. And what I, what I can't wrap my mind around is, like, you know you're going to be photographed. You know you're going to be recognized. Why would, you, why would you put yourself in a situation where you know if, if these pictures, if these videos get leaked, you're going to get dragged. It's going to affect your career. It's, it's, it's going to have consequences. It, it's just... It's one thing if you are not famous because you you have control over whether or not people see pictures of you. But if you have a following, I mean, a lot of these girls, I, I believe uh, uh, Shangela and Vanjie have over a million followers yeah. on Instagram. Right. So, so I, don't do don't do stupid shit unless you you want to get slammed for it. And also, like you know, uh, Silky. Silky just released masks on her merch site, and it's just like the why aren't you wearing? Why aren't you wearing it? All right, well, we're gonna thank you, Ryan. We're gonna come back to Ryan in just a bit for the actual RuPaul's Drag Race update because, among other things, we have a new season to talk about. But I just want to button this up uh, with a letter, an open letter that was posted on Instagram by a, a gay Mexican writer, actor, and activist named Leo Herrera because he sums it up better than any of us could, in my opinion. And I told him I was gonna read this. Dear gays partying in Mexico, I want you to know we aren't dragging you or cackling at that sinking party boat because we're jealous. Okay, maybe just a little. It's not just the colonizer vibes of locals selling their health with a smile for your margarita. These giggles are because we understand all too well why you're on that boat to begin with. The dark impulses of our community, excuse me, the dark impulses our community suffers so much to control the pursuit of pleasure at the expense of spirit, of meth binges and steroid heart attacks, of clubs asking for two forms of ID to black folks, of casual deadly transphobia of gentrification. You clacking that obnoxious fan at a circuit party during a pandemic is systemic homophobia at work, the failure of our schools for not teaching you AIDS history. It's a confirmation that our worship of the sun-kissed Adonis that flesh industrial complex of parties and porn has always hidden a culture of nihilism and death. These are nervous giggles because you embody the most tedious, vapid, and scary parts of us, forcing us to use shame as a weapon and knowing we'll need to unpack yours for years. Thanks for giving us homework when we have so much else on our plate. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong we also laughed at you because you look like fucking clowns. Sincerely, the other gays. Yeah. 
you can follow him at Herrera Images. That's Leo Herrera. And I yes, queen! And uh, I have some homework for the circuit gaze. Read the Velvet Rage. Thank you. And I didn't even realize when I, when I made <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I I'm, didn't... I'm one of Marge Simpson's <laughs> sisters. Thank you. I didn't even think about that when I made the recommendation, but it really, and a lot of people are saying, why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they, because there is unresolved shame and there is trauma and this is the only way. And, and he's right. I get it. I get yeah. wanting to be there. I want to be there so bad and I haven't been perfect. Yeah. This pandemic, I have, have I have broken the rules. Yes, um, but not on a scale like that. <laughs> JB. JB has been perfect. No, but, but we but, we but, both went to Fire Island. We went to Fire. I was in a Fire Island share for a week with ten yeah. other guys. Yeah. Now we stayed amongst ourselves. Yeah. We wore masks outside. We got tested before we came. But and it was we didn't follow the strictest of strict. So I get that there are people who are judging me, and you should. Yes, but there are levels of recklessness, there levels and there are of levels of risk that you're putting others, that you're exposing others to. And when you travel to a foreign country and expose people there right? so that you can have a party, it's just, it's, I, I, we have to move on because we only have, uh, it's 1130 and I, I'm actually going to skip the next two stories and just go right to Ryan for the RuPaul's Drag Race update because I want to leave as much time as possible for our fabulous guest, Kenny Melman. So Shantae, hit, you hit stay. It, All right. Well, it is, uh, it is uh, the Ru year. Happy Ru year. Everyone, um, we have a new season of Drag Race, and it started off two weeks ago um, with a brand new format. Um, the format is as follows: uh, two queens enter the workroom. They think that they are going to meet all of the the queens, the the whole cast, and uh, they immediately have to go to the runway. They have to lip sync um, against each other. They just met each other. They've been in the workroom for ten minutes. One of them gets eliminated, or so they think. They go to the pork chop loading dock. Pork chop, famously the first drag queen um, on RuPaul's Drag Race to go home, and um, and then we 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 saw that uh, six different times. Um, yeah, I don't know what you thought, Adam. I, I thought the format was was a little tortured, especially because the twist at the end of the first episode was that the I think I guess it was six or seven. Um, "Quote unquote eliminated queens then had to pick one of them, one of the queens, to then be sent home." Yeah, so once once we stars. knew once we knew what the gag was, the fact that we had to watch it take place again and, and again, again and, and again, again with every duo that they brought in, I was like, "Oh, I'm tired. I don't I don't care anymore." Yeah. Now, um, I I actually wasn't impressed with most of the lip syncs. Nor I. Um, the the one that. I was really impressed with, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing more from these two queens, was the one between Simone and Tamisha Iman. Yes. Um, Simone is great. She is amazing, and I think she could be the winner. But Tamisha's great, too. And it was it was interesting in the way that they... Um, I mean, everything is overly produced. We know this. But, like, you know, you have, um, you have these two queens of color. One is a new school. Uh, she's from L.A. She's very cool, very hip, very fashion-forward. And the other one has been doing drag since 1990, before most of the queens that are on the season with her were born. And she's more old school. She's Atlanta. She's um, she's the mother of Tandy Amand Dupree, the queen that was in the Wonder Woman. Um, came from the ceiling. You know that video. Anyway, she's a legend, and um, I'm really excited about that. But I think that you know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Drag Race is tired. Drag Race is boring." You know, we've seen the same format. Um, 
I don't think that there's, I don't, I personally, I don't think that there was anything wrong with the original format. I think there are still ways to make that format fresh without just... Um, I think they, they uh, fixed something that wasn't broken. And now what they've created is this dynamic. And, and yes, this is a reality television show. We know this. This is, this is, this is meant to be entertaining. This is not um, you know, meant to make everyone look great and, and, and to make all these girls look like... It's not RuPaul's best friend race, uh, as LaShawn Beyond uh, once, uh, once said. But... What the dynamic now, because we still we saw an episode last night and we still haven't seen all of the queens together. And there's this dynamic of these are the winners and these are the losers. And so they're immediately pitting these two groups of queens together against each other. And um, again, yes, it's reality TV. We want to see drama, but I I don't think it is. um, I don't think it pays off. Um, Will I continue watching? Of course. But to be honest, I am more excited for the second season of Drag Race UK. Yes. Because I just think the US, I think that, I think Drag Race US is just over, it's tortured. It's a little tired. It's tired. Yeah. I mean, listen, very few shows can do 13 seasons without uh, finding themselves in a rut. Yeah. And I do think they've cycled, I and mean, we've talked about this before, they've cycled through the very best so queens I have in America. Remo- Hello. Uh, <laughs> ignore that. Um, and a lot of those queens, I have to say, are filler queens. I don't know how you feel about Candy Muse. I think, but she's, I don't think she belongs on a, on, on that in that competition. I think she is. I've seen her perform. I think she's funny. Um, is she my winner? No, but I, I I do I do think that got Mick, um, and we got to see a little bit more of um, his story. Someone on Insta just said we need the we need to get the pig bigger headphones. Oh, why? Did they, <laughs> they just oh, look they really look, tiny. They look tiny. Um, yeah, it's not on the budget. Um, Got Mick is fascinating. Yeah, and it was, and it's, it's. This is. There's been a lot of criticism over the years about where are the trans contestants, and and we are now seeing this this uh, play out on this season. And I I think that um, that he is very special, very talented. The 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 drag is is uh, it's high drag, um, but uh, yeah, I I think. I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out because it looks like we're not going to get them all together for another two episodes. And uh, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted too. Ryan, thank you for your update. We have to move to our guest segment. I'm going to say goodbye to Instagram. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Thanks for watching. Once again, you can always subscribe to this podcast at uh, dnrstudios.com slash Adam Sank Show uh, or just go to dnrstudios.com or you can listen a week later when it airs on Apple Podcasts and other major audio platforms. Bye, Instagram. Bye. Bye. And now, share on IGTV. This is like a whole thing. I need an assistant. Can we get do some? This. Can we get an assistant but here? Also, if these people would, if these people were subscribers, we could buy Ryan new headphones. Thank you, and new microphones. Him, yeah, we'd make him more money. <clears throat> All right, let's get down to business, everyone. Our guest today is making his ass debut. He is a Tony-nominated musician. Cabaret artist and writer who performs with the alternative punk band The Julie Ruin, but he's best known as Herb, the virtuoso piano accompanying, excuse me, pianist accompanying Kiki, a.k.a. Justin Vivian Bond, in the legendary cabaret duo Kiki and Herb. Here's a taste of Kiki and Herb at their 2016 comeback concert at New York City's Joe, Joe's Pub. Take a listen. Well, it was eight years ago, it was the, the night of the election, oh, right. as those results came pouring in, and it became clear that our next president was going to be Barack Obama. It was very exciting times, ladies and gentlemen, that the country is going to have its first African. 
African-American president who had run on the promise of hope, the audacity of hope. And when he was elected, I looked at Herb and I said, Herb, our goose is cooked. Yeah. Nobody wants to see Kiki and Herb when they have hope. No. Oh, get it. It's more like the uh, uh, audacity of nope. Exactly. More like the audacity of nope. And joining us all the way from the sunny Catskill Mountains of upstate New York, please give a warm-ass welcome to Kenny Melman. Hi. Hey, Kenny. How are things in the Catskills today? Well, it is a brisk 16 degrees. Holy shit. (laughs) And not so sunny. Are you uh, bundled up under a warm blanket next to a warm man? Let's pretend that that's what's happening, but yes, pretty much. Good. Good for you. With our chihuahua. Oh, you have a chihuahua? Yes. What's his or her name? Her name is Lyra Pantalimon. What? Named after uh, the character in His Dark Material. Oh, of course, of course. Well, give the <laughs> give the Chihuahua and the man a kiss for me. Uh, I Ke- will do. Kenny, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm a massive Kiki and Herb fan. I have yeah, your um, Carnegie Hall concert in my music library, and I swear I listen to it at least ten times a year. Oh, that's nice. I might be the only... It's- person at the gym listening to Kiki and Herb as I'm on the uh, elliptical machine. Funny enough, I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Not in New York, anyway. How did you and Justin first come together and create this strange, brilliant duo? Well, Justin and I had done another show called Dixie McCall's Patterns for Living, where I guess we both played ourselves. And then Vivian was hosting the Gay Pride uh, whatever, hosting the gay pride stage in San Francisco in like 89 or 90. And uh, we had a gig that night at Cafe Floor and we had both knew that we were going to be too exhausted or whatever. And so Vivian had been doing this character Kiki at parties to terrorize people. <laughs> so we were like, oh, well, why don't we do all our material as these characters? And we came up with, oh, you'll be called Herb. And so we got into these characters and sat and had drinks and talked to the bar staff as these characters. And we got up into dollar numbers and that sort of Kiki and Herb style of screaming and being a little more anarchy laced. And we got a standing ovation and we were like, hmm, well, this could be an interesting. <laughs> so then we got a weekly gig at this place, Eichelberger's in San Francisco and went for like almost two decades. <laughs> and it just grew and grew. I mean, for, for listeners who aren't familiar with Kiki and Herb, and you absolutely should be, uh, you know, you guys had a Broadway show and you sold out Carnegie Hall. I mean, you, you rose twice. <laughs> twice. You rose from this, from this very strange alternative, you know, underground punk drag duo to, to uh, the, the, the biggest, most important venues in the world. It's just, it's a, when you were at Carnegie Hall, there's a point on the album where you say, like, can you believe this? Like, <laughs> what were you feeling when you were up there? Well, it's funny because I think both of us thought we would probably get to Carnegie Hall before Kiki and Herb, you know, as ourselves or whatever. And so it was kind of astounding that the way we both on our separate paths came together and ended up at Carnegie Hall doing the Kiki and Herb show was kind of astounding. But I think the times were right for what we were doing, which was responding to the AIDS crisis, responding to the Gulf War, responding to, you know, every horrible thing that has happened. That's right. I mean, what I love about about what you do is that it it's very political, but it's not preachy. It's not a lecture. It's not a TED talk. It's it's a hilarious 
um, satire, and yet it's got such an edge to it. It's so cutting. And you, you personally, from what I can see, have always had a very punk sensibility, which is something we don't, we don't necessarily associate with gay men. How, how did your, your punkness develop? Well, I think it really was San Francisco in the 90s because both Vivian and I were protesting all day long. <laughs> like, that's pretty much Like, my memories of San Francisco were, oh, we're going to a war protest. Oh, act up. Oh, we're doing the Harvey Milk March. Like, right. that was pretty much what we were doing during the day. And so, and you know, San Francisco had a pretty vibrant punk scene then. It was pretty, like, the interesting thing about San Francisco's queer scene to me was that it was very mixed between lesbian, gay, trans, never really talked about. Like, all the bars I enjoyed were mixed. And then also, it was very punk. Yes. And so I feel like that's just, I mean, I met Vivian when I was 19 or 20. So it's pretty, I don't know, it's been my whole life. I mean, the first tape I, the first tape I ever stole was a Kate Bush tape from Tower Records on Ventura Boulevard in California. Do you still Act have it? my favorite band. I don't still have the tape. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a great souvenir to hang up. This is the first tape oh, I Oh, I know. Justin, or Kenny, rather, you're a, a virtuoso at the piano. Are you well, a, thank you. Tra- well, you are. Come on. Are you a traditionally <laughs> educated musician? Or are you self-taught? How did, how did you, you learn your craft? No, I was a... a, a took classical piano lessons until through college. So yeah, and went to composition school at UC Berkeley, though I didn't graduate in that. And, uh, but I will say like one of my favorite stories is like, uh, at my first piano recital, I played super tramp's logical song. I love that song. Well, that was one of the, I played Bach and I played the logical song. And one of when the other I was young, my, I thought in life was so logical. Uh, and one of the other students was like, Mrs. Wolf, who is my piano teacher, he's not playing what's on the page. And I feel like my entire life has been that. Like, <laughs> yes, I can play classical, I can play what's on the page, but I generally don't want to. Right. I, I don't find covers that are true to the original very interesting. Well, and that, that of course, is what you do so brilliantly with, with Kiki. It, it, are, these are all songs we know, but you guys completely re redevelop them in a way that we would never expect when when she's telling one of her crazy stories uh and you're vamping are you do you know what you're going to play ahead of time is that something that's planned out or are you are you just improvising because i'm always really interested to hear what you're playing in the background well thank you uh it's mostly improvising improvising but you know <clears throat> sorry i have a little bit of a cough uh Justin and I started Kiki and Herb doing mushrooms every time we did the show. <laughs> this explains a lot. It explains a lot, but it also, I think, it explains the synergy between us. And so it's, it's like creating a film score to me, more than vamping or more than just like playing underneath. Yeah. And so I do know vaguely where Vivian's buttons will be and arc. And so it, for me, it's like a mathematical puzzle of getting there at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, because when she hits like a punchline, you you hit the piano like you you strike a chord like you know like the, exactly. you punctuate We're it. <laughs> We're very good at that. And then also there is like another story going on in the music because I'm often playing other songs and other snippets of things and yes. recalls of other things. And so you know, one of the things that I think still even after we had a professional divorce and then came back together 
is that there's a depth to the art of Kiki and Herb that interests us still. So I want to that it wasn't just slapstick. It wasn't just funny. Absolutely, there's real substance there. I want to I want to ask about that divorce uh, because you guys split up for nearly a decade before you reunited for that 2016 concert. And on the one hand, I can see where, you know, after performing together for what, what had it been then, like 25 years? Uh, uh, 17, I think. 17, year, 20, you know, you get to a point where, where you sort of are ready to move on. But was, was there some kind of discord? Was there a, a, an argument? What, 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 what led to your breakup? Well, <laughs> what leads to any divorce? the accumulation of a lot. I think that we were playing two incredibly codependent characters. Yes. Right. And we were doing it. Like I was just talking about this because obviously none of us can travel anymore. Right. But like we used to sit down in like London for two or three months and do shows almost every night. And so there was this, and think of that for like 17 years. Yes. (laughs) And so Vivian was in a different place. And our communication skills had sort of gone away. And the stakes kept getting higher. And I think when we were happiest, probably, was when we were just playing dirty clubs and punk nights. But that's not, you know, for whatever reason, we became bigger and started doing theaters and started doing, well, we did Broadway. And, you know, and then we lost a Tony to a ventriloquist. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that, Jeff Dunham? No, it was a uh, god, uh, the guy on soap, uh, Jay Johnson. Who the hell is that? Well, exactly. He won the Tony over and, you two. Fuck him. Yeah, and it was horrible because he was sitting in the row in front of us at the Tonys, and when he came back with the Tony, turned to Vivian and was like, "I know you want to touch it." Oh my god, <gasps> the shade. Yeah, it was very not nice, and so I think it was an like accumulation of all of these things, and that. Vivian really wanted to maybe start doing other things. And because of the pressure of producers behind us at this point and stuff like that, that it just sort of had to end. And not that I ever loved how Vivian ended it, but I understand it in retrospect. Well, and also Vivian was going through a, a personal transition as well. And I'm sure that that was right. and I think that, part of it. That had tons to do with it because here they were playing this crazy old woman and there was all the discourse around, was it a drag show? Was it this? Was it that? What is it? And getting pigeonholed into things. And so I think that had a, a good, com- large component of it, too. What was it like then to reunite in 2016? And I, and I want to tell the listeners that that entire concert at Joe's Pub is available for free on YouTube. Uh, and I, yeah. I urge you to watch it until the end of the month. Yes. Yeah. Um, that would be the month of January in case you're listening to this weeks later. But, uh, <laughs> but, but what, I mean, did you fall right back into it or was it like, this is fucking weird or how, I mean, what was it like coming back together after such a, a gap? Well, it was interesting because the first, I was just talking about this to someone is that, uh, Jose Munez, who's a big queer theorist, very, very important. He passed away. And the first time Vivian and I were in the same room after about a decade was at a, memorial at Dixon place for him. Cause he was worried. He wrote about us and he was a friend. And so that was pretty much the beginning where we, I think we were like united in grief. Yeah. And then by the time we got to, t- to 2016 and decided to do the show as part of Joe's pub, 
and sold out 22 shows, might I add. Uh, it was like getting back on a bicycle. Yeah. Yes, queen! <laughs> Thanks, JB. There's a producer weighing in there. Uh, when it comes to preparing for that show or any show, I mean, it looks to me like it's heavily scripted and heavily prepared, right? Like those stories aren't just coming off the top, uh, top of Vivian's head. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> how, how long did it, does it, like for that concert, how long were you in rehearsal for it? Uh, a couple months, maybe. But like, it's funny because even in the decade we weren't speaking, I had in the back of my mind like, oh, this would be a good song for Kiki and Herb, but it's too bad we're not performing. Right. Or like, you know, oh, this lyric is really interesting and I would never want to perform it, but it would be interesting coming out of Kiki and Herb's uh, mouths. And so I think there's this cumulative thing where we both, in one part of our brain, had been rehearsing something for that whole time. Right. You know, and then what? Oh, there's the election and Hillary. And we were, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about that from months before and things like that. So it's definitely not off the cuff, but we have a language that we speak together, obviously, after so long that it's not as difficult for us to get there as it seems. It, it's, in some ways, it's such a classic rock and roll story. You know, it's like the little rock and roll band that they just do it for the love of it and no one knows who they are. And then they like suddenly blow up and they're world famous and then they break up. And you know, it's like there, there is a trajectory. It is a good story. It's a trajectory. <laughs> one we, behind the music. Exactly. And they should do a behind yeah. the music for you guys. So Kenny, what is next for you personally as an artist? I know it's impossible to plan anything right now with this fucking shit going on, but like it's impossible to do anything. Are you I doing any of those virtual performance type things? No, it was funny. Cause, uh, Vivian and I, there was talk of maybe us doing a Christmas show virtually at Joe's Pub. Yeah. And then we decided against it because of the fact that, and, and Vivian ended up doing their Christmas show with their band. And we talked about it. And the difference is, is that there is the preparation that obviously we can't do now. Right. Under these circumstances. And you can't do and that kind be, of thing by Zoom. You can't do it by Zoom. It, I, I don't know if Kiki Nerd would work in a empty audience right because we're so fed by an audience i couldn't do stand-up comedy in front of an empty room there's no fucking way i could exactly that's what i mean and so it was funny because i've been saying and vivian said it too is that vivian loved being in an empty joe's pub because people just interrupt their train of thought (laughs) right as themselves so vivian's the perfect artist to be like on zoom and doing shows in empty audiences but kiki and her business right Right, yeah, and so honestly, and as a cabaret, as a, as a cabaret solo artist, their act is different than than Kiki and Herb was. It's it's a, a little more serious, more somber, more somber, and less having to do with an interaction with an audience or any kind of through line. Right. All right. So I, who knows what I'm going to do? Because I set up a little studio. I'm going to try to write a solo record, but then you're like, what am I going to do with it? Because who knows when live venues are going to come back. Well, We've messed up the situation so much. I mean, there's certainly tons of people out there, including myself, who would love to listen to the record, even if, if we can't see you well, live. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I hope you do it. Kenny, now we're at the part of the show where we play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. What's the strangest place you've ever had sex? Hmm. 
Hmm. And don't say the cat skills. <laughs> it would be strange. Uh, oh, God, I don't know. Disneyland. Really? Which part of Disneyland? Magic uh, Small World. You had sex in the It's a Small World? <laughs> yeah. With children all around? How was that possible? There were no children. Were you in one of those little uh, cars that they put you in? Those little trolley cars that goes takes you yeah, through the boat. It's like a boat. And was it just manual? Was there oral? What went on exactly? No, no, no. Just you know, manual. Good for you. Uh, in in the entire. <laughs> I grew up in L.A. You know. At, yes, that explains everything. In the entire Kiki and Herb repertoire, what what are your most favorite and least favorite songs to perform? Uh, most favorite, No Children by the Mountain Goats. Yes. And least favorite? Ooh, I don't know. That's a hard one. Cause, uh, let me think. Uh, least favorite, least favorite. I don't know. That, I can't answer that. It's like being bad to children, like picking it, right. your least favorite child. I would think there'd be a lot of songs that you would just be like, ugh, I can't believe I have to play this again. But that's good that you don't have one. Well, because honestly, if there was one, it was, we probably only did it once. Like back in the day, our friends believed we had a, when we had a website, like a really rudimentary website, we had a list, and I think it was like 314 songs that we'd covered. Jesus. And are you, are you the kind of musician where once you, you've learned it, you've learned it forever, you never need the sheet music again? Uh, it depends. Some songs I have a total block on. But like a lot of them, yes. But Vivian could tell you that there were certain songs that no matter how many times we did it, I would always miss a quarter to. <laughs> hmm. All right, I'm going to give you an F, Mary kill. We do this with most of our guests. And uh, you know the game, yes? Yeah, You have to fu sure. fuck one, marry one, and kill one. And this is a Kenny edition. So your choices are Kenny Loggins, Kenny Chesney, or Kenny G. I was going to well, put Kenny Rogers in there, but he's no longer with us. I know. That's sad. Uh, well, F, Kenny Loggins, but back in the day. You're going to fuck him. Yeah. Good choice. Mary, uh, Kenny G. Really? Uh, it's a tough choice. Come on. <laughs> Kill Kenny Chesney. Wow. This is not what I expected. Yep. See, what did you expect? I thought, <laughs> for me, the correct answer is you were right on with Kenny Loggins. You got to fuck Kenny Loggins, especially young Kenny uh -huh. Loggins. You, you marry Kenny Three. Chesney, who not only has his own money, but he's got the Nicole Kidman money. And you kill Kenny G because who the fuck wants to listen to that saxophone all the time? Oh, my God. Well, true. I don't know. Yeah, it was a toss up. But money really never has a, I don't know not my like well kenny chesney's also hot as fuck but maybe not your type not my type too smooth yeah <laughs> i get a sense I'm, I'm guessing like i don't know why i think this about you but i'm guessing that your type is like kind of a hairy bear yeah, cut out bear and yes hairy twink you know between the two <laughs> an otter is what jb says yeah 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 what a is fox. you <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's boyfriend is a wolf. Yeah. So hot. Good. What is your, we touched on this at the very beginning, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but what is your current relationship status? Oh, uh, well, not married, but I've been with the same person for 
16 years. What is the secret to your longevity? I, I ask everyone this. Because uh, we're best friends. I mean, I know it's trite, but it's true. I love that. I've been and like, we just keep, like, keep things interesting. I have many best friends, but I don't want to marry any of them. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> or even have sex I've with them. I've had that, too. I've had, I know that one, too. <laughs> I was lucky. But good for you. You are lucky, and so is he. Uh, yeah. what, what is the greatest song to fuck to? in the history of music? Interesting. Uh, well, I will say that the album that everyone had sex to in San Francisco was This Mortal Coil. Hmm. Like, for years. I'm sorry, who is that by? Uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, it's a band called... Or it's not even a band. It's a label that... It was a compilation, basically, called This Mortal Coil, It'll End in Tears that the Cocteau Twins were involved in. Hmm. I'm going to look And that literally, up. every time you went home with somebody, that was what they put on. I am totally going to uh, look that up. Uh, look it up. Because I need a new fucking soundtrack. Uh, but the correct, the, correct answer, the correct answer was Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, oh yeah. Good, good one. Who is your favorite gay porn star? Ooh, interesting. Al Parker. Does anyone know who that is? What was the first name? Yeah, look my, Al Parker. He was like... 70s porn. See, um, yeah, you do like the furry. Mm-hmm. Is Al Parker still with us? Probably not. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, the same. Wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, okay, name something that you love to do in bed. He's really sexy. I just looked him uh, up. Ryan. <laughs> name something you love to do in bed other than sleep and sex. Sit on the computer. <laughs> do you have, like, an iPad on your, on your knees? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I do. I sit there and I look like I'm at the gynecologist's office. I've got my knees pulled all the way up, exactly. ass, ass open to the wind, and the iPad is on my lap, and I'm watching Will and Grace reruns. It sounds perfect, except for the Will and Grace part. <laughs> Not a Will and Grace no fan, are we? Not so much. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've been rewatching the. Uh, certainly, I will never watch the reboot again. That was garbage. Um, I've been rewatching the original series, and in some ways, it is still brilliantly funny, and in other ways, it is deeply offensive. Yeah, like deeply, and that to me is a measure of how far we've we've come and how much we've changed as a culture, because their treatment of trans people, man, Oof. it's brutal. Not cute. It's like it's almost. Oh, no, sometimes their treatment of gay men is brutal. Yeah, that part I like. <laughs> of course, masochism. Kenny, I adore you. I thank you so much for coming on this show. Uh, how can people follow you on the interwebs? Uh, on Twitter, Kenny Melman, at Kenny Melman. That's my good political one. And on Instagram, you get pictures of my dog. Oh, well, I want both of those things. Actually, I think I do follow well, you on both of those uh, channels. Uh, and if you do any kind of performing coming up, even if it's just you in your bedroom with a keyboard, uh, you know, let us know. We'd love to, to, to watch it. Can I plug something that's not Please. mine at all? Absolutely. Uh, there's a movie on Discovery Plus, which you can get a seven-day free trial on, called P.S. Burn This Letter After Reading. And it's about a tr they find this box of letters from drag queens in the 50s and 60s in New York and find them all. Oh, my God. I totally want to watch and that. And I watched it last night, and it's, it's brilliant. And it's, uh, it's 
so much fun to watch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan and JB. Tune in next week to hear another brand new ask with our special guest, Colton Ford. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. The music's getting louder. Follow me on Twitter and Insta at adamsank. Email me, me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.